heaven. But we always have loved the McCoo family. I want them to come. Obey God in this place. We're not in a hurry. I want God to use them, don't you? Let's give them a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit again tonight. God bless you, brother. Love you, brother. Take your time. Come on, shout to the Lord and give him glory. Hallelujah! 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 Ain't God good? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God! Good to see everybody on a Wednesday night. Good to feel the Holy Ghost. And uh, good to hear the old songs. Praise God. And Brother Troy, I love you, but I'm not that old. <laughs> amen, amen. We're excited to be here, and we do solicit your prayers. Sister McCool came in from work pretty sick, so anyway, she was toughening it out at work, and I could tell when she walked in, it it was probably a done deal. Amen. So let's remember her in prayer. Been a lot of sickness going on there on the job, but nevertheless, God is, is still able to heal, and uh, he's healed her many times, so I know God is still in the healing business. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord, somebody. There you go. Hallelujah. I could hear that all the way back from the cheap seats. Praise God. Amen. We're honored to be here. Love, Brother and Sister Moore. Had a great time Sunday morning, Sunday night. My, what a service we had Sunday night. Great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many of you feel like you received something from the Lord Sunday night? Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Quinn, you feeling better? Praise God. Praise God. How many of you, how many of you prayed and took it by faith and you woke up Monday and the devil was breathing down your neck? Boy, y'all scared to death, man. My God, Ben Dale, get with me tonight. Praise God. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to go to the word of the Lord tonight, and uh, we're thrilled to uh, be here and thrilled to just be a part of what God's doing here in this wonderful church. And uh, <clears throat> I appreciate the prayers of this church. Thank you. And uh, it means a lot. <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of like I tell folks a lot of times, you can't keep a good man down. Praise God. That means woman, too. You can't keep a good woman down. Praise God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, we're going to believe. Now, the doctor gave me a great report. Uh, my last checkup just a few uh, I say just a few weeks ago, probably about three weeks ago, and um, said that everything was doing great, and uh, it's just a matter of time and just continuing in the right direction for the heart to get strengthened again, but when all the swelling <clears throat> up in the upper left part of my heart was was very big, and uh, they told me that initially I was in, you know, heart failure and all these kind of crazy things, but, but um, the Lord touched it. And um, my heart's normal size like it should be. Praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, maybe, maybe I'm healed. I'm just ornery. Praise God. Maybe that's the problem. Amen. Some of y'all, we must be kin. Some of y'all are that way too, aren't you? 
Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at verse 23. And if you're going to help me preach, say amen. And I may not preach long, but then again, I might get wound up here tonight. <clears throat> so I tell you what, you're 63. Lord have mercy. I wish I could get wound up like that tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody might have to drive me home if I do, but we're going to, amen, we're going we're gonna to take a swing at it tonight. <laughs> He's speaking faith tonight. Praise God. Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. You think about that. <laughs> That's near, nearly 200 stripes. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. Somebody say amen. That's quite, quite a list. In weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I'm telling you, living for God, serving God is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> but no matter what it is we might go through, I'm glad to be able to stand here and say I'm still standing. Then I'm not going to be moved. I'm like the Apostle Paul. He said, none of these things move me. And I'm going to preach to you a little bit tonight from this thought. I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Turn around and look at your neighbor and said, are you still standing? Come on, look at somebody else and ask them, said, are you still standing? Come on, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're asking you to bless every need that is in this building God, every request that was upon this paper as we open service and prayer and faith and asking you to move and the families represented by the names that were listed, I pray today you would stretch forth your nail-scarred hand and place it mightily upon every need, their finances, their body, their mind, their spirit, whatever the need may be. I know that you are a God that is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all we are able to ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I pray that you would give us strength in our weakness, Lord. Lift us up above the shadows of our doubt, and we pray right now, let your spirit be loosed in this house, Lord, to do great things. In Jesus' name, clap your hands and give the Lord glory and praise. Come on, shout to the Lord. 
Glory. Glory to the Lamb of God. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Noella Racundo is a Burundian-Australian woman who became notable in recent times for being the woman who crashed her own funeral. She immigrated from Burundi to Australia as a refugee in 2004. She was the mother of five at the time. and Soon after her arrival and settling in in Australia, she met a man by the name of Balinga Kalala. He was a Congolese forklift operator and a refugee that had also arrived in the same year that she had. He had fled a rebel army who had killed his wife and killed his children when he was 24 years of age. Noella and Belinga started a relationship and they moved in together, got married, had three beautiful children together. But after some nine to ten years into their marriage, her husband wrongly suspected her of cheating on him. And he paid nearly $7,000 to a group of gunmen to kill her and the children that they had together. On January 21st of 2015, while Noella was staying at a hotel in Burundi to attend her stepmother's funeral, she was abducted at gunpoint. And after some days, she was presumed dead. However, unbeknowing to her, the gunman had refused to kill her and her children. And in order to keep the money, they lied to her husband. They said that they had killed her and the children, but in reality, they refused to do it. Back in Australia to cover the crime, her husband told everyone that she had been killed in a tragic accident in Africa. And he proceeded to arrange for her body to be brought back to Melbourne, Australia to plan her funeral. And all the while, Noella, with the help of her pastor and others, hatched a plan to expose her husband. She would let her husband think that she was dead. She would follow behind the funeral, and she would arrive at the house unannounced. And there she would confront him at an appropriate time. And as planned, the day of her funeral came, and she did as planned. And the mourners were leaving the funeral, finally getting into their cars uh, to go back to their homes. Uh, when finally her husband came walking out of the house, uh, and she got out of the car, and she stood there looking at him. Finally, when he started looking her way, his eyes nearly jumped out of his head. He screamed out and asked, Noella, is that you? And he began to walk toward her. And the closer he got, he reached out his hand. And he punched her on the shoulder and said, Noella, is that you? And he looked and uh, he just could not believe what he was seeing. Uh, and finally he touched her again uh, and jumped back screaming. Uh, and to which she responded, surprise, uh, I'm still here. And I've come to talk to this church that sometimes 
sometimes we go through things in life that the devil does bring our way and he tries to throw us underneath the bus and try to destroy us and put us where we can't ever get back but I'm here to declare no matter what the devil does greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I don't have to be afraid I don't have to run in fear but I've got a God that protects me every step of the way and God's gonna bring me through still standing on the mountain of victory today clap your hands and praise him I love Noella's answer surprise I'm still alive after all that I've been through after all you tried to do to me surprise I'm still alive I've come to encourage us that no matter what we're going through God is still in control of our situation no matter if there's sickness in your body no matter if the doctor's report is negative and gives no hope that God is still in control God is still moving in your life and you and I can stand here in this service today amen when the devil did his best you can shout surprise devil I'm still standing today all the battles this church has fought all the trials these families have been through, all the storms you have endured, all the pain and disappointment that you've experienced when the devil had plans for our destruction. Surprise! We're still standing today. The Bible tells us, Paul, referring to the church, he said, I'm cast down, but not destroyed. It means body slammed. Hey Amen. You did your best to destroy me. You did your best to besmirch me. You did your best to destroy my reputation. You did your best to lie. You did your best to afflict me. But surprise, devil, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still going forward. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to quit now. You ain't going to help me. I'm telling you, you better get your mind made up because God's got better things for you than being underneath a load. God wants to raise you up and give you a place of victory today. Oh, hallelujah. The devil has plans for your destruction, but God has a purpose for your future. I said the devil had plans for our destruction, but God has plans, amen, and a purpose for our future. Sometimes we come to church, we go through the motions. Sunday morning, Sunday night, we had a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God spoke to our heart. People responded Sunday night, and the Lord began to deal with my spirit, and he began to talk to me when I'm on my way home, and I began to think about how God began to move, and God began to bless, but yet I realized Monday morning was coming, and that regardless of the blessing that fell from heaven, regardless of those that got healed, or claimed your healing, that when 
when Monday came, the enemy would come and tell you, you didn't get your healing. God's not hearing your prayer. God's not going to do anything for you. I guess I'm preaching to the walls tonight, but I've come to talk to you. The enemy is nothing more than a liar. He's a father of lies, and he knows he's already been defeated, but if he can get you to buy the lie, then he's got you where he wants you. But honey, I've come to declare tonight, I'm still standing. No matter what discouragement came away, I'm still standing, even though I feel like I'm under it all. Somebody needs to get in the devil's face tonight. Somebody needs to get in the devil's face tonight and remind him you're still standing. That regardless of the financial setback, regardless of the health situation, you're still standing. Your faith has not moved. God is still on the throne. You're not discouraged in spite of it. You're still holding on to the nail-scarred hand of Jesus tonight. I can imagine the Apostle Paul understood, amen, by the life of Mordecai, amen, when Haman did his best to destroy the children of Israel. And he had been put in a position where they, they all bowed down to him when he came walking through the king's gate. But Mordecai wouldn't bow. He'd look at him and just shake his head. He wasn't going to bow down to the enemy. Are you listening to me? And if the devil ever gets you in the habit of Cowtown every time something comes along and acquiescing to an attitude of defeat, honey, he can destroy you. But when you get your mind made up, I'm not going down, devil. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to keep on standing. The enemy will do everything he can to just stop you, to distract you, to discourage you, to bring you to a halt. But God has other plans for this church tonight. Somebody say amen. I'm going to preach to a flop out tonight. Is that all right? Praise God. Somewhere in our life, we've got to get our mind made up afresh and anew. You say, well, we've heard all this preached before, but you're still sitting there like a deadhead. Defeated in your attitude, defeated in your spirit, defeated just because you, you're running behind in your finances. Are you hearing me now? You get a little discouraged because somebody spoke to you wrong. I'm here to tell you to shake all that mess off and get your attitude. Oh, shot kataba. Get your attitude right and get it fixed on God. Get your feet planted. Get your shoulders pulled back and bat your eyes on the devil's face and say, Heaven, no matter what you throw my way, I'm still standing. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to the struggles that would come his way. Like every one of us, he understood many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Now, I believe God meant every word of it. I don't believe that, well, I don't know about all that. Well, you better get your I don't know out of the way and get your faith fixed on I know that I know that I know. God's word is right. God's going to bring me through. God's going to heal my body. God's going to bless my finances. God's going to give me revival. God's going to give me my family back. God's going to give me my marriage back. 
Paul was a powerful influence in the early church. He fought the church and he had letters to destroy them and put many of them in prison. But no matter how bad the apostle was at that time, he was a man to whom God had a purpose and a plan for his life. And so God wanted to use him to destroy the church. He wanted to use him to discourage the church. But God had a way of bringing the apostle Paul to his knees. Although he persecuted the church and sent many to prison, he experienced the undeniable and the unforgettable on the road to Damascus. Paul knew he would suffer great things for the cause of Christ because the Lord told him he would. And I'm here to preach to this church that the Lord told us we would go through trials and tribulations. Oh, help me now. And some of y'all still crying, holding God hostage because you're going through a trial. But the Lord told you you would go through it. Boy, it's quiet. Let me get out of here. The Lord told you you were going to go through things. He told you this wasn't going to be a cakewalk. You didn't enter into this thing unknowingly. You understood that when you became a Christian, you were number one on Satan's hit list. You understood that when you got in the church, uh, there was a bullseye pointed on your chest uh, and put on your back. Uh, Amen. When you got in the church, uh, you knew you were going to struggle. You knew you were going to have to fight this flesh. Uh, You knew you were going to have to overcome pornography. Uh, You knew you were going to have to overcome cussing. Uh, You knew you were going to have to. You ain't going to help me preach. Uh, Amen. I'm afraid some of you don't remember where you came from. Uh, Amen. But I'm telling you, uh, God knows. uh, Amen what's ahead and he uses the storm he uses the battle he uses the trial to strip us of the things that hinder clap your hands to the Lord and praise but Paul just didn't suffer great things he built many churches Amen. Are you with me now? There was a lot of good things that happened. He founded churches and he fought devils. He established ministries and became a main target for the enemy. In short, the devil devised ways to stop him. But time and again, the devil failed. Over and over, it looked like, everybody said it looked like he was going under. But God had a way bringing him out. I reiterate to you tonight that Paul in his writings in this text give us a short list of the things that he went through. I truly believe that it was not something that was all-encompassing or thorough, but he simply gave us the highlights of his life up to that point reminding them that yes I knew this was coming that helps me be determined that no matter what comes my way I can still make it through this are you hearing me now I want you to understand that the list may be long in your life what you've had to endure 
It might have been a divorce. It might have been a sickness. COVID nearly killed you. Cancer nearly knocked you out. But God had a way of reaching down where you were. When you were piled under the rubble. When you were underneath the load. And pull you up. And put you back on your feet again. You didn't think I'd make it, devil, but I'm still standing. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul simply gives us a list to encourage us that no matter what you may be going through now, that the devil's not going to defeat you. It's totally up to you what you decide to do. In Acts 14, earlier in the chapter, In the midst of adversity and persecution, I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul saw the gospel preached. The lame leap, blinded eyes open, people that were sick healed. But it's in the latter part of the chapter that you find him not shouting over the victories, but now he's been stoned. He is left under the pile of rubble by his enemies who are trying to destroy him. And I can see him as he's knocked out cold. He's laying in the dust. And more rocks come when he thinks they should have stopped. But they don't quit coming. You know, that's the way the world is. That's the way sinner people are. That's the way some church folks can be. They just want to kick you while you're down and pile the rubble on. Come on, somebody. But the apostle Paul, I can see him while he's laying there dead. All of a sudden the spirit of life comes down and shakes that body and stones begin to roll off his coat and he gets up on his hands and knees. Blood might be flowing. I might be blooded, but I'm not going to be defeated. And he rises up and looks at those standing there and said, don't worry about it. I'm still standing. Acts 27, I'm not going to hold you long. Acts 27, Paul, a prisoner in the ship, middle of a hurricane. Uh, Ship was lost, Paul's a castaway. And he holds on to the tackling of the ship. Sometimes that's the way life is. I'm hanging on to just a small tendril thread. Just a little bit. Feel like throwing in the towel. Hello, somebody. Feel like quitting. Feel like I just don't even want to come back to church. Don't even want to pray no more. Ain't even going to fast. God shouldn't allow this to happen to me. Oh, my God, have mercy. But nevertheless, I'm going to hold on. You know, it's amazing to me. Even in our negativity and even in our old sorry spirit sometimes, amen, your faith is acting for you. And you talk a good line of defeat, but somehow you never do want to turn loose of that board. And you don't want to let go of the rope. Because you know, you know what side your bread's buttered, honey. Am I telling the truth? You talked about quitting church, but... You came back. 
Maybe that's not for me, but you came back. I don't understand a whole lot about Pentecost, but here I am, still standing. Sometimes we get on and, oh, we overcome that one thing, and all of a sudden, before we know it, we're just trying to do something for God, Brother Troy. And the serpents come crawling out of the woodwork, literally, and latch on. And Bible tells us that men were watching, and you better listen to this preacher. There are people watching you. They're watching the way you respond. They're watching you go through your trial. They're watching you on the job. They're watching you while you're going through the divorce. They're watching you while you're sick in your body. And uh, you keep going back to the hospital, but nothing gets any better. You go to this, and, and there's no answer. You turn to the right, and every time you go to the prayer room, it seems to get worse than it was the first time you went. But nevertheless, they're watching you. And then they step back, and they wonder, how can they keep serving God when they're going through hell? How can they keep on keeping on when it seemed like they got every reason to quit they're saying to themselves that that have been me I'd have gave up a long time ago but somewhere faith rose up in your spirit and slapped the devil around and said no 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 devil I'm still standing I'm holding to my faith I'm not giving up Can't give up now. Too close to the rapture. Too close to the Lord's return. I can't quit now. Let me get personal. You're too close to a miracle to stop now. You're too close to an answer to prayer than to stop now. You can be sitting. I'll get you out of here. Paul? What you gonna do now? I'll tell you what faith's gonna do. In spite of the opinions of people that thought he would die, he just shook it off in the fire and moved on. I've just come to preach a very simple message tonight. And in spite of everything that's going on, what upsets the devil the most is not the tears you cried. And not the doubts that plagued your mind. But it's the fact that you got up off the floor. And you dusted yourself off. And you looked at him and said. Not today devil. I'm still standing. Second Corinthians he tells us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Everybody said, that's me. Everybody say, I'm just glorified dirt. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You understand why you're going through what you're going through? It's for God to be magnified. That in your weakness, he is strong. I'm going to say that again. That's what drives the world nuts about Christians. Are you listening to me? It's, it's, it, it, I'll just be honest with you. It's not necessarily your doctrine. It's the fact that you get up and keep serving God. 
that you keep living for God, that you keep holding on to the Word of God. Hello? That, that you haven't forgotten where your altar is. That they could be ugly to you and somehow that quiet, still spirit within you, that inside brace for the outside pressure steps into play. And while they're trying to crush you and ruin your reputation, you can stand there and just smile and say, I'm still standing. I could go through many stories today while I was working a job and lies that were told and things that were done and how the Lord would just turn the tables on my enemy, if you please. And, uh, and losing the void sheet from a register and don't know where it's at. And then the Lord come to you in a dream after you've prayed half the night. Hey Amen. God, they're going to fire me. I don't understand where it could be. And the Lord come to me in a dream and show me exactly what happened when I lifted the register top and the sheet slid down between the register. Hey Amen. And down between a vault. Hey Amen. And showed me where it was. And I get on the phone and call a friend. Amen. That was working that day and said, I need you to do something. The Lord gave me a dream and showed me where the void sheet was. I need you to go to a certain register. I told him the number. I need you to look between the piece of the furniture that holds the register and the vault that holds the jewelry. Would you look down there and see if it's there? He said, Hold on. The next thing I hear, the phone's getting picked up. He said, said, Mark, it's there. Hey, man, come on over. In fact, I'll leave it right here for you to get it. You see, God knows how to protect his own. When the devil devises things against you, when the enemy tries to throw you under the bus, hey, man, I'm still standing. I've got a treasure in this earthen vessel. I may be troubled on every side, ah, but I'm not distressed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. You see, you can be stressed out, but not broken by it. I can be in a state where all I've got in my mind are questions, but I'm not in despair. I'm not at a place where I am helpless and hopeless, persecuted, but I'm not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Hold on, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in me. So bring on the storm, devil. It's just making me a stronger Christian. Just bring on the trial and go ahead and do what you got to do. Because I'm like Mordecai, I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be standing here when you're in a red hot hell because I've got my mind made up. It's because of what he endured and what you're enduring that we can all say in Ephesians 6 and 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to look at somebody here today. When's the last time 
that you heard somebody tell you while you were in the middle of a trial, just be strong, brother. Just be strong, sister. You're going to make it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, ah, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Come on now, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. few years ago, as many of you know, I had an issue with my heart, AFib, and I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. It seemed like when the COVID epidemic hit, being a full-time evangelist, that it just seemed like the bottom fell out, and there was no place to preach, no income coming in, couldn't get a job. Couldn't do anything, and I had to be still and wait on the Lord. And after all of those things, the Lord began to send the blessings along the pathway of faith. And all of a sudden, when I thought things were about to get good, all of a sudden on a hunting trip, my heart beating out of my chest, thinking I had COVID and had no idea what was going on. When I finally had to rush back to the house, three-and-a-half-hour drive from Thomastown, Mississippi, and get home and have just enough strength to just go to bed and hope I wake up the next morning. And after my wife had left and gone to work, I got up that morning and my heart was still racing. I said, something's desperately wrong. And I called my wife. I said, I'm going to have to go. i got to get to the clinic. I've got to do something. I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but we're just going to go. If not, I may be dead before a few hours. And my wife said, I'll meet you at the clinic. I drove over there. When I walked in the door, some of the nurses there that were friends with my two oldest daughters, that many of you know are nurses, and they said, Mr. McCool, we've already checked you for COVID five times now. You don't have COVID. I said, I don't know. I may not have COVID, but you better find out what's wrong with me or I'm going to be a dead man before the day's over. So they brought me in and take, gave me two more COVID tests, and then they brought in the EKG machine, and they hooked me all up. And the doctor comes running in the door with a sheet of paper in her hand. It's the printout from the EKG. And she is in a panic. And she's literally screaming at me and said, This is your problem, preacher. Said, Your heart rate is about 270 something. She said, You get to the hospital right now. So they drove me over. My wife took me over to the ER. That was Friday. Got me into ER. And it took them eight and a half hours with a cardism drip to get my heart rate down low enough where they could move me out of ER and put me in a room on the second floor at Singing River. Well, the next morning, that was about by the time we got me in there, it was midnight or a little after. They get me up about 7 o'clock in the morning for the more. And they said, we're going to take off the cardism drip. You're doing fine. We're going to give you this pill. And we're going to send you home. But something checked up in my spirit. And I said, you sure I don't need to stay another day? They said, oh, no, it's fine. I'm going to send you home. So they unhooked the IV. And they gave me this pill. 
in about 15 minutes, I started feeling funny. My oldest daughter, Lauren, was sitting in there, sitting with me. She was off work. And I told her, I said, honey, you need to, you need to get that other nurse in here. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. I know it. And she was trying to console me. She said, Daddy, don't worry about it. You're just, you're just getting used to the medicine. They just got it in your system. You're just, you're, you're just kind of acclimating. I, and I, I don't want to ever bark at my kids unless it's extremely an emergency. And I barked at her pretty stern. And I told her, I said, honey, your daddy's going to be dead if you don't hurry up and get that woman in here and get checked. I'm not feeling right. Something's wrong. And when I tell you that, you need to listen. And she walked over in front of me, and she no sooner got in front of me that I fell over and passed out right in her arms. I woke up, and they were just getting my head on the pillow, and I went out again. The next thing I know, they got a whole room full of nurses coming to check me out. I see you come up off the first floor, and they're in there checking me out. Uh, Dear lady that goes to Brother Holly's church, her and her husband work in the ICU, and... uh, Brother Patton's, one of Brother Patton's daughters. And she was ready. You know, she was trying, they were just trying to get me settled down enough where they could move my bed out of the room and down the hallway to the ICU. And it's then that when they finally got me set, settled and stable and they started moving me out of the room, they got me going down the hallway. And I, I just felt like I was just leaving my body. And I'm not going to go through all the the, the ugliness of when a person dies and all things physically happen to you. I'm not going to go through all that. It was just a mess. But when I, we hadn't even got a quarter of the way down the hallway, the Lord opened my eyes, and I could see all the way down the hallway, all the way to the elevators, a row of angels on each side lined up against the wall. And I simply asked the question, where did all these angels come from? And the girl that goes to Brother Holly's church down there, she just said chills went all over her. And she started talking in tongues. They got me down there, and they were trying to get me cleaned up. And I was kind of in and out of this. And I was talking with nurses, and I could see faces. But there came a time where I lost all the faces. And all I could see was like somebody holding a flashlight right in my face. And I couldn't see nothing but light. And I was praying. And I could hear people talking and asking questions. And the funny thing is, I was answering questions they were asking me, but yet I was still praying and talking to God. I said, what, what is it, God, that you want from me? Because right now, I'm just a few minutes from dying, and I know I'm dying. And it's a hard thing when you've been a preacher and you know the voice of God, <laughs> and you don't hear anything from God. And you just trust him that he's going to take care of it no matter how it turns out. You with me? Finally, I was praying and talking. I said, now, God, if you want to take me, that's fine. You're the boss. You want me to stay, that's fine. If you take me, I'm going to be really disappointed that all the things I felt you promised me has not come to pass yet, and I've not seen it. But it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. Next thing I know, I'm seeing faces again. Soon thereafter, they're moving me out of the bed and putting me into the ICU bed. 
And from that time forward, a few days passed, I did a cardio version three different times. I went in for another cardio version. I was having issues with my heart again in April. I went through the same situation, got to the ER, high heart rate, told the doctor, whatever you do, do not give me what you gave me before. Check my records. Don't give it to me or it'll kill me. He said, no problem. Calls my cardiologist, and somehow I guess my cardiologist just didn't remember. He's a great cardiologist. I have no bones to pick with that man. But when he gave me the medicine, they shot it in my IV, and then told me what he had done. And I told him, I said, sir, I said, we told you not to do that. Now, I'm here to tell you, sometimes things happen in your life that are totally beyond your control. You can't do anything about it, no matter what you say and no matter what you do. And there's times you just going to have to trust God. I told him in 10 minutes, this is going to happen. I said, get the ICU team in here. I said, because by the time they all get in here, this is fixing to happen. I told him I was going to black out told him that my heart rate was going to drop down, and it did. They moved me out of that room into the emergency room operating area. They moved me in there, and I was just gray as a ghost. I really wish my wife were here to tell the story. But I was laying there just gray as could be. I looked like a corpse, my wife said. Lauren was in the room. I felt like ice. My cardiologist rushed from his office down to the emergency room. When he came in the door, he walked down and put his hands on my ankles. He said, my God, this man's like ice. And so he went into overload just trying to get things done. And they could not get a pulse. They could not even find a pulse. They couldn't even stick me with an IV. And they couldn't sedate me because if they sedated me, they'd kill me. And the doctor said, we got we to gotta, we gotta shock him and we're going to have to do it with no, no sedation. So they run it up well over 230 joules, if I remember right, and they shocked me. And it literally felt like a horse had kicked me in my chest. Prior to that, when you looked at the monitor from my heart, it was nothing but a straight line. Every once in a while, you'd see just a small little blip and they couldn't even get the heart rate. And the only way they knew I was alive is my eyes were open and I was talking. When the doctor shocked me and they got the heart rate back, the whole time I've been praying. And it was like I had this incredible peace. Everything's going to be all right. Because just prior to shocking my heart, Sister McCool walked over there and asked me why I was rising up on the bed and doing all these kind of things. I said, honey, I'm fighting death. I said, if they don't do something, I'm not going to be here. And she reached down and grabbed me by the hand and got in my ear and said, don't you dare give up on me. And it was on the heels of that that cleared her off the bed, shocked my heart. My heart rate came back up. And I was able to go home the next day. I have watched blinded eyes open. I have seen deaf and ears unstop. I've watched quarters disappear. 
I've seen cancer leave bodies in an instant. I have watched the lame walk again. I have watched them run through pouring down rain in stadiums overseas. I have watched God do some absolutely phenomenal miracles. But sometimes the miracle is not in what God does to heal you. It's in what God does to keep you. We are headed into days in this world that we're going to have to remind ourselves over and over and over, no matter how bad it gets, I'm still going to stand. I want us to stand right now. Your pastor just made the statement just then, stand for this truth. If you ever, if you have never gotten anchored in this truth, you better get anchored in it. If you've ever read your Bible, you better read your Bible like there's no tomorrow. You hide the Word of God in your heart, you better do it now because we are living in a day where this truth is under attack more now than it ever has been. There has been a resurgence of things out of denominal seminaries seeking to destroy and to undermine what we do believe. Our way of life, biblical dress of holiness. Are you with me now? The plan of salvation, just basic living for God, doing their best to undermine those things aren't necessary. You know, we've heard this preached all our life. If you've been in the church any length of time. I've been in the church now nearly 40 years. 40. I didn't grow up in this. But I heard it from my elders. To love this truth. To fall in love with this truth. You just can't get it across the pulpit. You're going to have to get your Bible. You're going to have to dig it out yourself. And you've got to be convinced. It's not enough to be convicted of sin. You've got to be convinced of truth. And we've got a lot of people, no matter what organization, you put what letters you want. But I'm telling you, we've got a lot of people drifting from this apostolic message. Get your feet planted. Get your shoulders set. Get your mind made up. You see, you never know if your mind's made up until, until all hell breaks loose in your life. And everybody at the church is too busy to pray with you except you, you and your family. Hello? You never know whether you're going to stand until there's nobody else standing with you and you've got to do it alone. And that's why I'm preaching tonight to admonish us all. Old Brother McVeigh used to say that sword cuts that way, cuts back this way. And I just simply come here tonight to remind all of us, get your feet planted.
Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, the Lord came to them and reminded one tribe that during their conquest of Canaan, he said, the one thing I'm going to do for you that I'm not doing for anybody else is I'm going to give you iron shoes. And I'm going to, you need to anoint your feet with oil because when you're going to have to be able to slide these iron shoes on. But the iron shoes were shoes made to climb mountains and to overcome and to keep you in the battle so that the stones that would have otherwise hurt your feet and left you lame and limping in life, that they would be crushed underneath those shoes. This church has been given iron shoes. God has put an anointing on this church. And God is getting you trained and matured to a place where when these things come, you can stand there and just smile. It's like the old thing I read not long ago out of an old book. I can't remember the author's name way back, way back in time. He said that when death comes and looks you in the face, the only thing you can do is look back and smile. And I'm here to tell this church that when trials come your way, there are going to be some things you're just going to have to smile back at it and remember, I'm still standing. I'm not going anywhere. I will not be moved. My mind is made up. I want us to lift our hands right now. I'm done. I'm done. But, oh, Lord, tonight, God, that you could strengthen my brothers and my sisters. God, that you could, Lord, reach down into our heart and revive afresh in our spirit. Lord, the hunger to take a stand in this hour, no matter how bad the trial no matter how bad the heartache, no matter how bad the situation may be, and no matter how loud the voices of defeat may scream, that we've got a God that is able to lift us up and set our feet upon a rock and establish our goings and put a new song in our mouth. And I pray that you would cover us today and lead us and guide us in the Holy Ghost in these days that are coming. Help us to be sensitive to the Lord, your spirit, hearing your voice, walking the pathway of faith, Lord, holding on to eternal life. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's love him right now all over this building. Come on, let's give that unto the Lord tonight for the word of God. Praise God. Praise God. It's ever been a generation that needs to learn how to stand for this apostolic truth. This one God message. This calling out. Not only a calling out twofold we're not only asking to be called out and separated from but we got to connect we got to hook up to something and that's truth that's God and the gifts of God 
and the workings of God. The church is going to have to have it, folks. We've got to have it to survive. Let's do it. What a word we've heard here tonight. What a presence, the love of God. He's just showing us on a Wednesday night how much he loves us, cares for you. And I could just help think of how many of you, the battles you've went through, battles you're going through. You just keep standing. You just keep fighting. God's got a reward for you. You just hold on. God's been good to us tonight. Love you. Appreciate you. Just let you be dismissed in the fear of the Lord tonight. God bless you tonight. Appreciate you.